Hi, and welcome to episode 144 of No Crying in Baseball, the Good Trouble episode. My name's Patty. I'm here with my friend Potty Mouth. Hi, Potty Mouth. Hey, I, I love that. I love that you did that. That's a that's the right thing to do. Did you actually did you see Sean Doolittle's post on it? I did. Yeah, that I was of super course. Of sweet. course, they have a photo together. That's the right thing. Yeah, yeah. So of course, we're talking about John Lewis having died yesterday. We were recording on Sunday. So the news just came out yesterday. And it's, it's just a sad moment, you know, and, and I'm hoping that everybody's been able to take a moment to do some reading to do some watching of his words, and think a little bit about how important he was and always will be for our history. So cheer, I will cheers to that a toast to John Lewis. Cheers to John Lewis. On today's show, we are going to celebrate the fourth annual Women in Baseball Week with an interview with Dr. Kat Williams, the author of Isabel Lefty Alvarez, The Improbable Life of a Cuban-American Baseball Star. We are going to tell you about MLB's improved testing news leading up to opening day, which is this Thursday. Some players, however, are still just getting cleared for training, and some are playing with high risk. Umpires are opt-out of the week. Will the Blue Jays become the Buffalo Wings? And more on international baseball. But first, our interview with Kat Williams. We have a special guest for you today on No Crying in Baseball, and we are kicking off Women in Baseball Week. I'm very excited that we're going to be able to celebrate in this way this year because today we are joined by Dr. Kat Williams, who is a professor of American history at Marshall University, but importantly, the board president of the International Women's Baseball Center. Kat's the author of The All-American Girls After the AAGP. PBL, How Playing Pro Ball Shaped Their Lives. And she's here to talk with us about a new book, which Patty and I have just read and we are dying to start talking about, called Isabel Lefty Alvarez, The Improbable Life of a Cuban-American Baseball Star. Thanks so much for joining us here today, Kat. Oh, thank you. I'm looking forward to it. Anytime we can talk baseball, I'm happy to do it. And we're always happy to do it. Yeah. We always start off with our guests asking about your personal connection to baseball. So what would you say is your personal connection to baseball? Well, um, I know you just told me your shows are an hour, so we may need to expand that. But um, <laughs> I, you know, I believe that baseball, uh, both literally and figuratively, uh, saved my life as a kid. Um, I was... I was that kid. I was the quote, dumb kid. Um, I had an undiagnosed learning disability. Um, and you know, my parents didn't have a lot of money, you know, it was the kid, like I didn't fit, you know, and, um, and school was hard. And so I was made fun of and the whole, you know, the whole thing. Um, but when I got home, I, uh, changed clothes and I went out and I played baseball and I was good. I was good at it. Uh, the boy I played, you know, my story is not unusual. I played with the boys in the neighborhood. I was the only girl. And I knew that baseball, I knew that there was a place where I was going to be good. There was a place where I was okay. You know, this is pre-Title IX. This is, you know, so for me, baseball was this connection, this lifeline. I knew later as an adult, I, I realized that it was uh, most definitely the thing that kept me alive and moving through some difficult times as an adolescent and in my teenage years, it was a place where I learned I could be okay. And if I was okay someplace, then maybe I'd be okay 
someplace else. So it was that for me, it was literally a lifeline. And I think that is why I do what I do now, because I start to tell that story sometimes to, to a room full of, of girls and young women, and you get that light bulb and they're nodding and they're smiling. And, and so, you know, um, it, it is, um, it is not just, I'm a fan, uh, which, which I am. And it is not just, I teach women's sport history, but I do. Uh, but it is also the thing that allows me to be okay. And so, you know, that's a, that's my connection. The parallels immediately between the way you're talking right now and how you tell the story of Lefty Alvarez are yeah. absolutely striking. Yes, the first thing, yeah, the first thing that got me about your book was in the very in the introduction when you talked about the idea of sports identity. Yeah. Yeah. as the lens to look yeah. at a person's life. And I'd never heard that before. And it really did click for me. Tell yeah. me a little bit more about where that came from. And have you seen other examples of that? Oh, yes. Um, in fact, it uh, sport identity is a concept that I sort of created on my front porch one day when I was trying to make some sense of all of this. I mean, you know, that was my background. That was my story. But then throughout my adult life, I knew other girls and women for whom you know, you could point to them and you could say that is a white woman. She's middle class. She's middle aged. She's uh, Catholic. She's whatever. But if you did not insert uh, the the sport as a piece of that identity, you didn't have. You don't know who she is. You know, if you if if you uh, know my life story, if you know I am a middle class white woman, um, I am. Uh, you know, whatever, but you remove, you remove sports from that, you don't have a clue who I am. And so I started to think about that. And, and this idea, this concept of intersectionality and uh, Kimberly Williams Crenshaw, who I adore and, and, you know, uh, uh, hope that I will be when I grow up, but the, this, this concept of creating an identity based on these different elements uh, class, race, gender, sexuality, all of those things, is, is crucial to understanding identity. But my argument is, for particularly girls, some girls, if you don't include sport in that, you don't have a clue who that person is. And that is true for me, and it is certainly true for Lefty, and, and so many others. And it doesn't mean you have to be a great athlete. It doesn't mean you have to play a particular sport or even play a sport at all, but it is the way that 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 connection to sport, and in this case, baseball, that connection to sport absolutely grounds you. And, and it's like a matrix. It's like that's the stuff that holds everything else together. And it is that lens. You know, we look at Lefty's nationality, her ethnicity, her her gender, all of those things, but we have to look at them through the lens of sport but we really don't understand who she is or what she accomplished or why. That's fascinating because like with any other part of your identity, part of that has to do with your community, right? Absolutely. And finding yeah. that community where you have yeah. people you have yeah. that in common with. Yeah. And it yeah. seems like, you know, through the course of the book, you definitely explore how Lefty mm -hmm. finds community. Um, there were two things that I wrote down. I was reviewing my notes. I read the book several weeks ago so I could give it to Potty Mouth in plenty of time. And so I had things kind of written down in the form of a question. And then I had two things just sort of hanging. But I kind of feel like they're two of my takeaways from the book. One of them is the phrase relying on other Cuban players. Mm -hmm. And the other one was when in hard times, a place that was safe where I knew I was strong. Yeah. 
Yeah. The relying on Cuba, other Cuban players, I'm, I'm assuming you're talking about in, in literally in terms of, you know, surviving yes. um, immigration, basically. Yep. Yep. Um, and, and she did, and that was important. And I think it was, um, well, I, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to put words in her mouth. I mean, it was important to her and she felt that sense of, uh, oh God, there's, there's somebody here, you know, she was propped up a little bit, but then she's the one that stayed, right? She's yeah. the one that became an American citizen and she's the one that wanted to be here. And so the interesting thing about it was, it's like they were, they helped to provide a bridge and, and they, they did help her, but Ultimately, it was the rest of her baseball family that that sort of then took over from that. And this idea of someplace, you know, where she could ultimately uh, be okay until she was strong elsewhere is comes, you know, the two of us have had that conversation so many times. And, you know, I um, I describe it a certain way. And and she described it a different way. And then we we would talk about it. And and for both of us, it would come back to the very same uh, very same idea of I didn't feel okay anywhere. And for me, my next part of that sentence is I didn't feel okay anywhere except shortstop. And mm-hmm. and for Lefty, it was I didn't feel okay anywhere except the ballpark. And, and so what that, I mean, both of us, I mean, we bonded over that certainly, but, but it was also our stories diverge in a lot of different ways, but, but they, they really kind of walk a similar path in that, you know, I, I think without baseball, without sports, and by the way, Lefty was an incredible athlete. You know, I talk about the fact she fenced, she played volleyball. She, I mean, she was an incredible athlete, but it, this, this, the fact that she had this thing to hang on to in the midst of a freaking revolution, right? Yeah. I mean, she had this thing to hang on to. And, and um, so, yeah, you know, that's, that's the true, that's, that's the true nature of, and the importance of baseball. And, um, you know, every single class I teach, I, I have my students write what I call their baseball bio. And and I tell them, you know, everybody has a baseball bio. I don't care if you've never seen a baseball game. I don't care if you hate baseball. You have a baseball bio. And what is it? You know, think about it. And so I started that after having these conversations with Lefty, because what I realized was it was so not about, you know, what's your batting average. It was about your personal connection to to baseball. Um, and so those are, I'm glad those are two things that you, that you came away with because those are two really important things. I think it's clear that we could go on talking about this book, that we, we adored it. I'm going to encourage, of course, all of our listeners to go out and get it as soon as you can, um, to, to wrap up a little bit. Could you say a few words about Women in Baseball Week and the International mm-hmm. Women's Baseball Center? Yes, and, absolutely. You know why we should all be out there celebrating this week? That's right. Well, I uh, this is our fourth um, uh, Women in Baseball Week, and that was the brainchild of one of our board members, uh, uh, Ryan Woodward, who is uh, invaluable to to this whole thing. 
The International Women's Baseball Center is, uh, you know, started literally over pizza and beer about five years ago when the rest All the of best our- things do, really. Oh, oh you know, we have uh, February 22nd, 2014. Um, we now on February 22nd, we call it Founders Day. We do this thing where we encourage everybody to have pizza and beer and then take pictures of your pizza and beer and post it. And, We're on it. <laughs> and we, Going we, on my calendar. Very awesome. We literally, over pizza and beer, we're like, we need this, we need this, we need this. And there's no home base for women's baseball. You know, people take a pilgrimage to Cooperstown, to the Baseball Hall of Fame, and they have, and they have a nice exhibit of women in baseball. But that is not ours. And so the IWBC was created um, to, uh, we, our ultimate goal is to build a center. Uh, It's not just a museum, it's a center. It's an educational center, a baseball hall, a women's baseball hall of fame in Rockford, Illinois, the home of the Rockford Peaches. Uh, We have property there. We've done a number of events there. We already have a home there. Um, Our facility is, uh, you know, we're, we're a ways off on that, but but the but the point of the IWBC was to preserve and protect the long history of girls and women in baseball, and but not to just put that in a little dark corner someplace in some dusty old you know acid-free folder or put a uniform under a glass case. We got to bring that history out of the shadows and use it. It's exciting and it's alive. It has to be it has to be brought out and used. Because I am a firm believer in if you can't see it, you can't be it. And and every single time a girl, when Monet Davis, it, I will never forget this. When Monet Davis was pitching for in, in the Little League World Series and ESPN, I don't remember which guy it was, ESPN announcer said, do girls even play baseball? Oh and I'm like, ah, ah. You know, it's like, you know, so even the people who are supposed to know don't know. Right. So so the IWBC is about preserving that history, but it's about using that history because we have to bring it to those girls and tell them they stand on the shoulders of greatness. And so that's the goal of the IWBC. But we also we uh, co-sponsor with other organizations, uh, girls tournaments. Um, uh, Last year, we we uh, uh, hosted the Baseball for All Girls National Tournament. We had 400 girls play baseball in Rockford, Illinois, on the on Byer Stadium where the Peaches played. And let me just let me just say, you have not lived until the opening ceremonies. In the opening ceremonies, they have all the teams out in the outfield and they're in their uniforms. And these are they have they start with like age 10 and and go up. And they're they have their banners for their teams. So they start with the 10-year-olds, 10-year-olds, right? So they march into Buyer where the peaches played. And those 10-year-old girls in their uniforms march into the arms of 92-year-old Maybell oh, Blair God. and 85-year-old Shirley Berkovich. And I'm telling you, if you watch that and the hair doesn't stand up on the back of your neck, you are not breathing. It's and doing that, that now. I'm not even seeing it. Yeah, that's right. That's what this is about. That's what this is about. It's bringing the pioneers of the past together with the pioneers of the future because without both pieces of that, we're not going anywhere. But the cool thing about that, 
every single one of those 10 year old girls, they knew who Maybelle Blair was. They yeah. knew who Shirley Berkovich was and they thanked them and they recited oh, yeah. lines from, from a league of their own. That's what we're doing. You know, it's, it, we don't want to be some lofty old dark, dusty museum. This is alive. And this is the kind of thing we want to do. And ba- women in baseball week is one way that we do that. And it has become international. I mean, it's amazing. We have, we have an amazing group of people who are contacting us every year saying, what can we do? We want to be part of women in baseball week. And it's just, we, we have got to celebrate that history, but we also have to celebrate what we're doing today um, because it's a, it's a continuum. It, it wasn't, you know, I'm all, I love the All-Americans. I love that history. But if you draw a timeline of, 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 Amer- of, of American women's baseball history or women's baseball history, the All-Americans would be this big on that timeline, right? And it's an important piece. It's an, it, it, but that's, that's tiny. Yet, if anybody knows anything at all about women's baseball, that's all they know because of that movie. So you got to fill that in. Right. And so Women in Baseball Week gives an opportunity for just the casual fan, you know, to click on something on social media and say, oh, OK, I want to learn a little more about that. Right. But it also gives us an opportunity to, uh, you know, just I don't know, like sing the praises of people that we may not know. And 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 yet people that had huge roles in girls and women in baseball. How can we mere mortals get involved? Uh, well, uh, we would love to have uh, mortals or otherwise uh, involved. <laughs> and and um, uh, certainly uh, anyone can become a member of the IWBC by going to our website, internationalwomensbaseballcenter.org. And also just, you know, you can become a member, but it's also, you know, volunteer, follow us, follow there are, we are not the only organization by any means that, that is working on um, uh, bringing women's baseball sort of out of the shadows. But get involved by volunteering, going to events, sharing um, information on social media. I mean, my God, what you guys do with this podcast, the very name of your podcast Right. <laughs> I mean, seriously, where does that come from? We know where that comes from. We know where that comes yes, from. Yes, we do. We know where that comes <laughs> from. And 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 I know you're not your podcast and what you do is not just about women's baseball, but the sheer name. When somebody hears that name, what do they mm-hmm. do? Right. So you're doing it too. That's that's the thing. It's it, it's there are a million different ways that people can be part of this movement, and it is a movement. And, you know, I was interviewed um, a, a few days ago and, and one of the last questions, was, what do you what do you what is your dream? Like, what do you want? Right. What do you want to see? What would be your dream? And, you know, I, I stumbled over it. And I don't know. Why. Um, but I, I just, you know, I think about that and it's like, you know, I'm 62 years old and I want to stay. I want to live long enough to stand in the lobby of the International Women's Baseball Center and watch uh, 10-year-olds and 12-year-olds walk in and touch their history and see that, you know, they are part of something bigger. I want to stand there with Maybelle Blair and watch that happen. And, um, and, And that's, 
that that's huge, right? I mean, there's no other place on the planet where there is a physical place for women's baseball except Rockford, Illinois. And that's pretty damn cool. That's pretty damn cool. And I want this damn pandemic to close its doors so we can come visit yes. and hang with yes. you and see this and be part of this. And this hey, is this we is fantastic. Would love it. We yep. would love it. We would love it. And in fact, you know, the pandemic is not stopping us, right? We we are um, hosting, along with Sabre, Society of American Baseball Research, the second Women in Baseball Conference, the only one in the world. Uh, and it will be the weekend of September 11th through 13th. It had been scheduled to be um, at Rockford University, but of course it will be virtual. Uh, and we're also doing, this is the 100th anniversary of the Negro Leagues. Uh, this year, and we are doing a big celebration uh, for uh, that for the Negro Leagues, but we are also focusing then on Black women, African American women um, in baseball as a way to do that. So, you know, follow us. Uh, we are having events, and the pandemic, eh, yeah, whatever. We'll get through it. Yeah, we will. We will. Kat, thank you so much. We could do this for ever, but we're going to let you go. Um, and we just hope everybody goes out and gets that book about Isabel Lefty Alvarez and follows the International Women Baseball Center and gets involved and really embraces women in baseball like we tell you to do every single week. Thanks so much. Thank you. I sure appreciate it. It was fun. We'll have much more with Kat released later this week, hopefully tomorrow. You can hear the full interview at that time. We talk about so many things, including going into her new book in great detail. Now back to Major League Baseball. We've got testing updates for you. First, let me just tell you that the saliva tests that the players do take a lot of spit. You want to know how I know this? Yeah, yeah. Let, let me know. But I, w- I want to say that that's some foreshadowing we had last week. I was I was very mesmerized by this quantity of spit that we were talking about with this testing. Well, I had myself tested this week because our little town had free pop-up testing. So I thought I would avail myself of it. And it was supposed to be a cheek swab, but it ended up being a spit test, which was a problem because they said to do the cheek swab, you need to not take anything by mouth for half an hour. So no more water or anything or no food. But then they were overrun by people. So I had to wait an hour on top of that, half of that time in the hot sun before my test came up, even though I had an appointment. So I was so dry. And then they gave me this vial and they showed me where the line was that I had to keep spitting until I filled <laughs> that up. Spit up to the line. That's I had to spit brilliant. to the line, fill with spit to here. And I tell you, it must have taken a good 10 loogies. Lovely. Because they were not, um, I was not producing. As soon as I went home and popped open a beer, I, I could have done it in a second then. But oh no, I was a little dry. So this is what the players are doing every How other is day. That- aim situation like was it big enough to spit into that sounds like because if you have such precious spit you don't want to waste any you don't want to waste it but happily it comes with its own little funnel you screw on this little funnel thing that you then unscrew and throw away and then you screw on the thing that has the reagent in it and you shake it up and then hand it over but they do watch you do it and they sort of they have to walk you through how to do all this and you know and make sure that you've done enough make sure you've shaken everything so the couple cases we talked about last week where the staff didn't show up and they had to do it themselves, that's kind of questionable. And actually some tests, uh, even this past week when testing went very well, some of the tests weren't usable because of that whole, you can't eat or drink anything. Some of them were contaminated with food. 
and others and, and <laughs> chewing tobacco that's still out in the world believe it or not chewing tobacco is still out in the world so that contaminates the spit test that wasn't an issue for me i cut out you know you know the, the chewing tobacco a long time ago Good plan. So, yeah, Good that's plan. fine but yeah just just so much spit i thought you would like to know that yeah and anyway. and having someone watch you while you're spitting too sounds very awkward like if it's well, you not know, bad enough to if you weren't like, you know, what a job. Like eagle eye, because you know, they had other yeah. things to do. And right. they did assure me, don't worry, other people took much longer than I did to come up with that quantity of spit. But let me tell you, so the process is better in that very few tests are being delayed. In fact, some individuals like George Springer is one who had to like sit out a practice because his test was just delayed in getting back. That happened to a few individual players, but not like entire team results this week. Whereas last week, people, uh, teams were still canceling entire practices because they weren't getting their results back. That's much better now. Also, the results have improved. They release numbers once a week for the prior week. So the newest numbers we have are from the period July 10th through the 16th. There were only six new positive tests out of over 10,000 samples. Right. Wow. So these samples are you know, the wow. same people over and over. If they do it every two days, but mm-hmm. still that was, that's very small. Five were players. One was a staff person. And in that week, five of those days, they had no positive test results. So this is better than I expected to hear. I was really very excited about that. So that part is going well. Opening day is this week and a bunch of players who had positive tests during intake, which, you know, a few weeks ago, they had, you know, their 14-day quarantine or waiting until they had two negative tests. They're just getting cleared now, which means they haven't gone to training yet. And a bunch of them just started on Saturday. And again, may I say, opening day is this coming Thursday. So they've got, you know, five days, really, to, you know, four days to get ready. That that's, that's our entire training camp, right? So like DJ LeMahieu had a weird situation. He was asymptomatic. He had a test before intake because he wanted to go visit his dad. And so he wanted to make sure he was okay before he did that. And it came up positive. And then, you know, intake testing and all that. And he couldn't get two negative tests in a row. He would get a negative test and then he'd get a bunch of positive tests. And then he'd get another negative test. So, you know, again, that makes us question sort of the, you know, the validity of these tests. I saw that he had 11 positive tests. That's like, oh, that's a lot of spit. That's a lot of testing. That DJ. is a lot of spit. That is a lot of spit. And finally, he had two in a row that said negative. So he just can't, got to, wow. to New York, you know, to, to the ballpark to start training on Saturday. So they don't know if he'll be ready for opening day when, you know, the Yankees play the Nats on Thursday night. Uh, Victor Robles just was cleared to start with the Nats. Now, they never clearly said if he had tested positive or just had contact because he was on that doomed flight from the Dominican Republic. So he could have just been self-quarantining or he might have tested positive. We don't know. My Orioles boyfriend, um, Anthony Santander, was in Florida during the shutdown. And then when he got to Baltimore for intake testing, tested positive. So the likelihood is he contracted it in Florida. He had mild symptoms. He's been cleared. You know, it wasn't too bad, he said, but it was cleared. And he so these guys who are um, getting cleared and getting back into training are all putting out good public health messages about, you know, wear masks, take this seriously, social distance. Freddie Freeman is back. He was the one who seriously felt like he was on death's door. He said yeah. one, one day he had 104.5 temperature. 
Yeah. Right. That was the day that Nick Marcakis talked to him and decided to opt out. But he said he still, you know, is glad that Nick did that. So we'll miss him, but it makes all, all the sense in the world. So, so uh, Freddie Freeman was fine and super careful. Their whole family was careful. And the day before they left to go to training, they had some family over. And they believed that there was a family member there that was pos- that may have been positive. Oh. And there was that last minute thing after all that time of being careful. It was that one, one bit of socializing that did it. And his wife ended up testing positive as well. So they both had it. He had it very seriously. She didn't have, she didn't have symptoms as, as crazy scary as he did, but he's actually back at the park taking swings. Again, they don't know if he'll be ready for opening day, but he's back and in his mind, he's ready to play. He said of all, all of the things with you only lost a pound after all of that, like, you know, high fever and all of this. I mean, so he was, he didn't lose too much, but, and he's a total mask hero right now. Absolutely. Everything he's saying is it's all these guys like if it could happen to me look how fit i am yeah look at me i'm young and i'm fit wear your damn mask so that's that's pretty good Uh, but this is like an indication it's like with so we had somebody with no no symptoms somebody with mild symptoms somebody with extreme symptoms it's the same virus you don't know how it's going to affect you and we don't know how it's going to affect the season because it's already you know a little bit of mayhem just going into opening day and it doesn't matter how fit you are or how old you are. I mean, there are definitely more likelihood situations. But looking at Freddie Freeman, I'm really amazed that he's coming back. I really thought yeah. he was going to end up on the opt out after going through that. Me too. Me too. It's It's got to be scary. Uh, somebody else who just tested positive is Yasiel Puig. And at this time last week, we were almost celebrating or anxious about the idea that maybe he was going to go to the O's. And then a couple of days later, it might have been the next day. The Braves announced we've got Puig. And I just was so sad because between, you know, at first I, there was the Red Sox rumor and then the O's rumor and then the Braves come out of nowhere. Braves land is celebrating. I'm kind of getting excited because, well, at least Puig's going to play. And then he does the intake to go to the Braves and it comes out positive. So now he's back to square one, kind of. He's got the the good attitude, right? He's sort of like, well... God has a plan. Something's going to work out. I'll end up somewhere. I mean, he still has, you know, confidence and moving forward, but it's just, damn it. Another. I want to call Yasiel Puig a responsible adult, which is a sentence I I could not have predicted. That is a beautiful sentence. Here's what he did. So the, even though everything we saw on social media sounded like the Braves were a done deal, it wasn't a done deal. It was contingent on a couple of things, including a physical and a COVID test. And they said, come on, you know, hop on a plane from Florida, mm-hmm. come to Atlanta, we'll test you. And he said, I'm in Florida. I am not hopping on a plane. Let me get tested locally. Look how responsible that is. That is amazing. That so is he, fan- that's way, that's better right? than a lot of people I know. Right? Right? Yeah. He is people, but he's special. Yeah, people. yeah. And then, like non-baseball people. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. yeah. But he's, he made that call and said, no, I'm not getting on a plane. I'm going to get tested. And then, you know, that's when he determined, that's when he determined he was positive. So he's quarantining but he said you know i'm looking in the mirror i don't see a guy that's got this because he's again i think he's also asymptomatic so it could be that he gets cleared fairly quickly but he does in fact remain a free agent now i don't think the braves are going to still be in contention because in the meantime they got freeman back you know they don't need another everyday guy as much as they did a week ago when no one thought freddie freeman was coming back anytime soon so Hoping against hope that the O's get them because my family wants to put in an order for some O's Puig jerseys. 
Oh, that, yeah, that would be pretty sweet. You know, one thing to come out of this, you know, as cynical as I've been this whole time, and, and I'm still feeling kind of cynical and down on the whole MLB playing in the midst of the United States not having this thing under fucking control. But if, if something good is to come out of it, it is having sports heroes say the right thing. You know, to have somebody like Yasiel Puig say, I'm not getting on a plane until I get tested or to have somebody like Freddie Freeman talk about his experience. And then we have Didi Gregorius, who was my Yankees boyfriend last year. And just to the, the boyfriend term, if anybody's joining us for the first time in a normal year, what Patty and I do is we each pick a guy per team that we focus on and we call them our baseball boyfriends. There's something special about them for each of us. That's why we picked them. I picked Didi Gregorius for a lot of reasons. I think the Curacao connection was the big one. Um, But it turns out he has a chronic kidney condition and he would be a player who could opt out and get paid if he were to choose. But he's on a one-year contract with the Phillies right now. So he has a lot at stake because he's going to be a free agent next year. So what happens going into the free agent market if you have opted out the previous year? So what Didi is doing is wearing his mask basically 24-7 all the time. He's got that mask on. So I feel like that's what the poster needs to be. You know, that's what's going to be all over MLB media is look at Didi Gregorius kicking ass with his mask. He homered off of Max Scherzer in the exhibition game with his mask. So don't you fucking tell me that you can't go to the grocery store. With your mask, if Didi Gregorius can hit a home run off Max Scherzer, I have no sympathy for anybody else who refuses to wear a mask. Damn it. You're my favorite person. <laughs> Thank you. You are my favorite person. We have an opt-out of the week. So so Didi was like our opt-in of the week, I guess, based on all mm-hmm. of that. So our opt-out of the week last week was Buster Posey. This week it's umpires, 11 umpires. 11 umpires have opted out, which is about 15% of the major league umpires that are part of the squad, right? Um, About 20, there's about 76, I think. About 20 of those are over the age of 55. Some of them are much older. The ones who opted out, some of them have family members who are sick and have, you know, this is it's, it's about them more than it is about themselves. But they had a deal like MLB does. If you have, you know, a condition that, a medical condition, you can sit out and get paid for it. So that there's that happening. So to fill in for this 15% of umpires who are not going to be available, there's two things that can happen. One is promotions for the umpires who have been doing AAA and who actually have some major league experience because they have filled in for major league umpires who have been sick or injured or like last minute. You know, like they need somebody in a hurry. So there is those folks, but also the people, the umpires who are already working in the majors, there was a deal where they can give up their vacation time to work the extra shifts that are available and get something like 10,000 extra dollars. Wait, what? (laughs) Really? So umpires get paid way more than I thought, way more than I thought. They get a lot of money and wow. So I'm going to start demanding um, from some of them better results. A lot of them earn every penny of that. And there are some that I find questionable, but there you go. Well, and and that's the problem. So out of these 11 opt-outers, of course, everybody goes, where's Angel Hernandez? No, he's not opting out. What about Cowboy Joe, who we talked about last week, who's a you know COVID denier? No, he's not opting out. So I'm concerned that we're losing good umps, but I guess yeah. that will 
be seen. But maybe, you know, that might make room for some more. And, you know, to keep in the theme of Women in Baseball Week, how about bringing a couple women up? Oh, now's a good time for that. That would be a good time. A couple of things that are happening for the umpires are they've talked about possibly including umpires in the taxi squats. So they do have backup at the ready if an umpire does get injured or test positive or something and they need to replace them quickly. They've talked about reducing the travel. Like right now, a group of umpires will staff a a, a series. So Phillies playing the Nats for three games, the same group of umpires will do those three games. Now they're saying to reduce travel, maybe the umpires will do the whole homestand. So in the case of the Nationals, so the Phillies for a couple of games, they go away, then the Mets come to town. For, so maybe those umpires would stay for that whole stretch to reduce the coming and going. When they are coming and going, they will likely travel on team charter planes and stay at team hotels. So again, they can kind of bring in that bubble and reduce the exposure to the outside world. Another thing that's happening is Oakley is developing face shields. They were developing them for the for the um, the NFL for players to wear like under their helmets with a face guard, huh. a shield. They're developing an MLB version to fit under the mask. And when I say mask now, I mean like the umpire mask, you know, mm-hmm. the uniform mask that so umpires can wear those as opposed to like a, a you know a, a face covering like a, like a cloth mask over their mouth. They use a shield instead. That need to be tested still to make sure they're shatterproof, right? Because that would be bad. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And also fog resistant so they don't like, you know, your, your breath doesn't, you know, fog it up because last thing we need are umpires who can't see the ball very well. <laughs> right. The problem with all of this is both the cloth masks and these um, shields remain optional, even though these umpires hang oh. over the, ki- the catcher's head. I was yep. about to say this is about to make me feel better because if anybody could do it, hey, Oakley, like maybe they'll look kind of cool, you know, right. to, to boot. But but if you're giving Cowboy Joe a choice, he does not deserve that choice. I mean, because it's affecting the people, everybody else, because the umpire is so close to everybody. I mean, I was thinking this is so cool. This is going to remove that issue of the umpire and the catcher being the most able to infect the most number of people during the course of a game. But making it optional, that makes no sense. Maybe that will change. Maybe there will be peer pressure for that to change. Let's but have also some peer pressure. Still they still need to be approved. I would hope so. You know, I'm going to, unlike Jose Canseco, I'm going to say something nice about A-Rod in this context, which yeah. is that he uh, went on the, the record of supporting opt-outs. So maybe we can get him as, as I don't know, just an inside person to put in a good word on this mass thing, because he said health and family is the most important here. I feel we should all be supportive to those kinds of decisions. So something good about it, Rod. If only that were indicative of his whole person, because he also this past week um, was trying to promote the idea of revenue sharing for players again, Uh, again. So now he's got his I'm going to be an owner soon hat rather than I'm a player hat. He did walk it back. He walked it back a little bit afterwards because he got shit on for it, basically, because are you kidding me? No one is going to take you, the highest paid player ever in baseball, seriously about revenue sharing. So, you know, A-Rod giveth and he taketh away. (laughs) Can I sing? That would be great. I'm going to stay way back from the microphone, so I'm not even tempted. You ready? You ready? Mm -hmm. No Canada. As far as I'm going to go. I don't know any more words anyway. The Blue Jays have not been approved to have games at Rogers Center. Their bubble for training at Rogers Center was approved, but 
Canada. I don't know if it, it's at the at the Toronto level or if it's at the at the country level. I'm not sure what level, but they were turned down. Their proposal for hosting games at the Rogers Center was turned down because, and we talked about this. Mm-hmm. All the other t- the teams are going to be coming back and forth across the border and bring in their you know all their exposures into Canada where they're getting a handle on things. And right now. Americans have cooties and Canada has fewer cooties and they don't want more cooties. It makes so much sense. I I do think it's the national level and, you know, not even Mexico wants us now. So if Mexico is not letting U.S. citizens cross the border, like, you know, I don't blame, I don't blame them. The trick now is that although they have two options, neither of them are good and they did nothing to prepare those other options. Oh, oops. Here are their choices. One is their AAA team, the Bisons, plays in Buffalo, which is not all that far from Toronto. So that seems like a good idea. Only the Bisons stadium and facilities are a little crappy. They don't have good lights for the night games. They don't have good locker rooms and they need to have a lot of locker room available because they need to have their team and the visiting team socially distant. Right. So, Hey, how about that upgrading of minor league facilities? That we I was to happen, just right? thinking that maybe this is going to shine a little bit of a light on what should be happening in the minors. Their other choice is their spring training facility, which is apparently a newly renovated thing of beauty, but it's in Florida. Florida. Mm-hmm. So that's out of the question. Thankfully, that appears to be out of the question. I think they are focusing on the Buffalo facility. Here's my prediction. I did not actually read this. So you you heard it here first. So okay. this part, this part I did read. Their, their first home stand will be against the Nationals, right? So they'll be here huh. in D.C. to play two games against the Nats. And then they all travel to wherever they're traveling. It was going to be Toronto to play two games. You know, the Nats will travel to play two games against the, the Blue Jays. My idea is why don't they play both of those sets here at Nats Park to give them more time to fix the ballpark in Buffalo because they're Mm -hmm. already going to be here. I think that's a good idea. So we may end up with the Buffalo Blue Jays or as our friend Meredith proposed, the Buffalo Wings. Yeah, I was going to say there's a Buffalo Wild Wings right down the street from Nats Park. So they could like maybe just order in (laughs) or something. One of the questions that keeps coming up from people who aren't paying enough attention are, well, how come the NHL can play? They can bring teams in to play in Toronto. That's because they are they are going to have a bubble. They're not going to be going back and forth across the, the border. Several teams are going to be housed together and not leave. They're going to play their season wow. in a bubble. And my kid, who's a big hockey fan, said, someone's going to die but not because of coronavirus, because they're putting in t- putting teams together <laughs> who have such rivalries. And hockey rivalries are oh different than baseball rivalry- yes. rivalries. So like the Capitals and the Penguins and the Flyers, someone is going to die because they fight on the ice and they probably carry that. Can you imagine like in the lobby, they're going to be hip checking each other into the concierge. I don't know. Someone is going to die. But anyway, it's not going to be from coronavirus because they're going to maintain that bubble. So something similar was possibly going to happen at Nats Park. like the not being able to host games because the district's health protocols were stronger than MLBs. Well, they, they, they spread over a longer period of time. The way the district approaches um, quarantine and isolation is if you are exposed, you have to isolate for, you have to quarantine for 14 days for MLB. If you're exposed, you have to go into self quarantine 
But then once you test positive twice and get cleared by a by you know your doctor and this board that reviews you, so it's not it's not an easy thing, but it, it may happen quickly, right? Because you know you may have been exposed but didn't get it, and so you might be back. You know you could have cleared all of these medical hurdles in a few days and been back. So their whole thing was. If we have to follow DC rules, which you do because the, the municipality overrules MLB, then that could really screw with the schedule because what if six people get exposed to the same person and now they've been out for two weeks, even if we find out they didn't actually get infected. So the compromise they came up with with the district is that the players who are under this quarantine, once they are cleared to play again, can travel to the ballpark, but nowhere else until the full 14 mm. days is up. So it does contain it and they will still get the monitor testing and all of that. So they're not going to be out like in the world during that 14 days, but they can at least play or train or something if they have passed MLB's protocols. Um, Dodger stadium may become a question because uh, LA is their numbers are beginning to climb back up again. Yikes. Yikes. Scary. Well, to be continued, we're going to be definitely following how virus protocols continue. I want to take a little bit of a side turn to something cute and funny and happy with my Braves boyfriend, Dansby Swanson. So I, I wish I'd written down which episode I profiled him in. But one of the things that I adored about him was his girlfriend, who I think I still love even more than him, Mallory Pugh, who is on the World Cup winning, winning uh, U.S. Uh, American women's uh, soccer team. And she is just hot shit. And they are banding together to do a fundraiser for youth sports initiatives. So basically what you need to do is go to the link that we're going to put in the show notes and you can either vote for Dansby or vote for Mallory in that you're entering to win something. So if you're voting for Dansby, you're entering to win a pair of cleats that he got, he got made for the Women's World Cup, which I think is fascinating. It's in the U.S. Women's National Team colors. And, and logo, and he wore them in France when his girlfriend was playing in the World Cup. So I, I think that's pretty cool. I kind of think her prize is a little bit better because it's a jersey signed by all of her teammates. So once again, she sort of ups him. But you've got to watch the video because they go head-to-head in a variety of sports competitions, including a soccer kick, including a baseball throw. So they each have like parts that they have a little bit of an advantage of, but their competition is just amazing to watch. And they're both sort of all in there. You know, he's not laying back. She's not laying back. They totally go for it. Um, So the cool thing is whoever wins also that if the winner side gets more votes, they get four Braves tickets, I guess, for 2021 and also a meet and greet with uh, Dansby or Mallory. So I would say go to that link. Check it out. They're adorable. This was the year where more than once we profiled a player and named them a boyfriend and then said, but we would really rather that their girlfriend or fiance or wife was our baseball mm-hmm. boyfriend in those cases. Yeah. And that was definitely one of them. Yeah. Hey, exhibition games started yesterday and I listened on the radio to the Nats host the Phillies. So I actually heard that three run homer. The Didi Gregorius oh, and nice. um, uh, Charlie and Dave, our our local radio commentators, did note that he was the only player wearing a mask. Um, 
But oh, the best, wow. I could hear the crowd noise, the piped in crowd noise in the background. And there was a terrible run scored by the Nats. It was like a ground out to first, but it scored uh, scored Spanky from third. And they, they the, the Nats lost horribly. It was not a fun yeah. game to listen to. See three run homers above. There was more than one. And so the two, so the two commentators said, all right, should we do it? And he said, yeah. And so they said, N-A-T-S, Nats, 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 woo. And they said, okay, we should have wooed better. And this is how we talk. The the woo should have been better. And then they said, wait, wait, listen, because the guy running the, the, the crowd noise queued it up and played the, it could have been us. Maybe it I was, was just once thinking when that. we said that. Yep. And, so, and so they had the exuberant one actually played to the players. So I thought you would be happy to know that. Yeah, that makes the woo me feel better. Because without a crowd there, just to know that they're still hearing us up in section 408, our voices yeah. are still ringing out somehow in Nats Park. So the twins are actually working kind of hard on this crowd noise. They worked with the players and said, what do you want to hear? Like what works for you? Because they huh. started with, I guess MLB sent everyone basically crowd buzzy noise, yeah. right? Which was just loud and buzzy. And they said, you know, that's annoying. And then the reaction sounds are kind of lackluster. So what the, tw- the twins helped fine tune this stuff to down with the, the like the white noise buzz of the crowd noise, more exuberant cheers. Like they they found actual twins fans cheering to put in there. So it is like the home team cheering. And also the players gave more music suggestions. So like during their at bats, there might be other music playing other than just oh. the music on the way up. So they've really kind of developed this full thing to help the players feel more comfortable and play well. And it's not, a, a you know, it's no small thing that they need to drown out the conversations that are being had in the dugouts because without this this ambient noise, you hear everything being said. Apparently there was a squeaky dugout door um, in, the, in the Nats, in Nats Park. So the, the, the inter-squad game before they started with the crowd noise, you could hear it over the radio. Wow. That's wow. amazing. And what, what a, just a juxtaposition to what things are normally when right? it's just so loud that you it's probably so can't loud. hear your, yourself. So there's been a loud cheering for Joey Bart, who is my, uh, my, my, uh, Giants boyfriend. And I said, uh, when Buster Posey was opting out that maybe this was an opportunity for Joey Bart, even though the powers that be said, no, no, he needs a lot more seasoning, you know, give him more time. We've got other guys before it. Apparently a lot of the veterans on the Giants are, are pro Joey, like I am pro Joey, and they are totally promoting him. He's had a heck of a of a um, I don't want to call it summer camp, how heck of a, like a new training period. He's you know hit some like super loud homers, and um, he, he he threw a couple guys out. You know he, he he's been a star. So now the powers that be are saying, well maybe he'll come up this year. They're not saying he's going to start, but they're starting to to allow for he needs some seasoning, but maybe not as much seasoning as we thought. So go, Joey Bart. And you called it here. I did. There's still baseball happening very safely in Taiwan, uh, although they're on break now. So last week we talked about what had to happen so that the season wound up in the monkeys' favor, which is the team that Patty picked at the beginning of the season. Unfortunately, the things did not go the monkeys' way. Um, my Lions, who were out of the picture but could have helped the Monkeys win, they blew it to begin with because they did not beat the brothers. So what had to happen, according to what we said last week, was the brothers had to lose two games, the first one being to my team, the Lions. That didn't happen. Um, actually, the, the Monkeys did not win all their games either, so 
you know, and, and also the guardians didn't beat the brothers either. So the brothers are now the first half champions. So I screwed up in two ways uh, last week. Both of them, I think are, are relatively minor. So I'm just, I'm going to cover them a little bit. The first is if everything had gone the monkey's way, the monkeys wouldn't have actually won. It would have come down to a tie-breaking game because it would have been tied at that point. So we explained everything that had to happen for the monkeys to win, which they didn't. But even with that, they would have had one more little hurdle. The other fascinating thing is how the playoffs actually work in Taiwan. So right now we are at the half-season break. Play is stopped. I think it's starting later this week. And the brothers are the champions of the first half of the series, which means the brothers have an automatic ticket to the to the Taiwan series. Uh, the playoffs are actually m- more complicated than that. If there is another clear winner for the second half of the season that is not the brothers, then the brothers and that team go to the Taiwan series, and that's it. So that's what I was thinking was going to happen last week. That is only the case if you have two distinct teams winning the two halves. Now, what happens if the same team wins both halves? In that case, the the second place and the third place team actually have a playoff series where they play the best of five games. So the, the second winning percentage has home field advantage. And that the third winning percentage plays against them in this five series game. But the, the winner winner has the automatic ticket to the Taiwan series. So that's scenario B. There is actually a scenario C. The scenario C is if you have, we're back to scenario A, where you have two different teams who make it, but there is a third team who when you combine the entire season, all 120 games, because there's 60 in each half, if they have a better overall winning percentage than either of the teams that won their half, there's that wild card playoff piece as well. You just broke my brain. So yeah, so I was I was practicing this really hard because this is usually like a patty math kind of thing. But for anybody who might not have get, gotten this, I have good news because our good friend Daniel Shi, who is doing such wonderful things, I kind of feel like we knew him back when, before he did all this cool. Months ago. Yeah, months ago. We knew him before he started this. He made a friendly video for foreigners explaining this whole thing. And I, I saw the promo version of the video today. It's excellent. I understood it. That's how good it is. There we go. And he is getting it, you know, approved by the powers that be. And we will get a link hopefully by the time the show notes go out. But if not, we'll post it as soon as possible afterwards, because if he can explain it in a way that I understand, y'all are going to get it too. Meanwhile, the slate is clear. Go Lions. I'm going to start, you know, rooting loud and clear at the end of this week. Um, Over in Korea, things are not much different. And I'm not paying much attention because ESPN. Yeah. So my dinos are still in first place. There's good news. The bears are in second. They uh, got the heroes out of there and your wyverns are still second to last and the Eagles are last. But the best news that I have actually seen coming out of Korean baseball this week is that if you go to koreanmovienight.org, you can see free Korean baseball movies. There are three of them. It's uh, it's in, only until July 26th, so act now. But go to koreanmovienight.org, and there are Korean movies about baseball. I'm interested. I'm going to check them out. That sounds pretty cool. I'm going to try to find some time for that in between watching 
Major League Baseball, which starts on Thursday. I don't know how long we're going to have it, but it's going to start on Thursday. And a couple of those first games are televised nationally on a variety of things, including ESPN and Fox and TBS and those things, um, so that you can get around your blackouts, which are going to kill us all dead for the home teams. So I'm going to be doing that this week and cheering loudly. I am going to be waiting for our full interview with Cat Williams to drop because again, let me just say thank you, Cat. We had so much fun talking with you and we hope that you guys, our listeners, enjoy this. What are you going to do this week? I'm probably going to be do- doing more advocating for our local school system. Folks, I'm a high school teacher. You know, go out there and hug your teachers or virtually Don't hug, hug your them. teachers. Yeah, there you go. touch anybody. You know, no, give a virtual high five to all the teachers. This is a rough time. Spent a lot of time this past week. And I'm looking, you know, to Major League Baseball for a little bit of hope. But also, I just can't help but feel a little bit sick about it and realize that we don't have those same resources and we're trying to send kids and teachers back into classrooms. So yeah, I'm going to do a little bit more activism around education, but I will probably suck up and watch that Nationals-Yankees game because how can I not, you know? How can uh, you not? Cole versus Scherzer. It's going to be fun. You miss the boys. You know you do. I know. I know. But I'm also, my heart's in Taiwan too. I love watching baseball. On the bright side, they're at opposite ends of the day. Yeah. So they're not going to conflict with each other. More baseball is a good thing. In between watching baseball for breakfast and baseball for dessert this week (laughs) and listening to our interview with Kat Williams, we hope you'll listen to some previous episodes of our show and tell your friends you think they'd like to hear us talk about baseball and please check us out on social media hang out with us on twitter at ncib podcast or facebook and instagram no crying and b-ball write us you know your deepest baseball dreams at ncib podcast at gmail.com and don't forget you still have a chance to win your choice of an unforgettable from the unforgettable's website we talked to emily wolfson on this show a couple weeks ago and she is kindly giving away a free unforgettable to one of you listeners just send an email to info at unforgettables.com that's u n f o r g e t T-A-B-A-L-L-S dot com. Put no crying in baseball in the subject line. And for a double chance, put heard it on the show in the message. And until then, please wear your masks, wash your hands, stay socially distanced, make some good trouble and say goodnight, potty mouth. Good night, potty mouth. <laughs>